Welcome to the Life Giver Podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers. I'm a clinician, military spouse, and advocate, and my co-host for this season is Sarah Foster, a first responder spouse, mom, and homesteader. Join us for season seven, where we invite you into honest conversation about life, family, and home. So grab that cup of coffee or head out for a walk. It's time to reconnect with what matters most. Through all the storms I'm by your side Through days of warmth I'm by your side Like the stars and the moon in the nighttime sky I'm by your side Welcome to the Life Giver Podcast. It's season seven, and we are talking all about what it means to reconnect in whatever area you need to reconnect in your life, whether it's with yourself or community. And you've heard me go through the list probably a million times by now. Um, but really, it's about you knowing what you need in your life right now to be in a good, healthy place. And so Sarah and I were talking about how do we address, you've heard me mention in previous episodes, um, this idea of not being reactive and instead being proactive. You've heard us talk about the importance of managing ourselves. And those that's what we can control. We can't control anybody else but ourselves. We've just kind of had lots of conversations or dancing around this topic of um, what does it mean to manage other people or trying to manage situations into place? In other words, kind of forcing a situation to be something that you need it to be when maybe you don't have that much control. And so if you're part of the new the newsletter, the Life Giver newsletter, we are talking monthly about how to create more margin in your life. And I know this past month I talked about um, that concept again, like managing things, trying to force things into place. And so when Sarah and I were talking about how to cover this topic, um, I just told Sarah, you know, I just need to bring my aunt onto the podcast um, because she is the one that actually spoke that phrase over me. I think it was last spring or maybe it was before or after that. I don't even remember because last year was a blur, but She's just been a a beautiful mentor in my life. Um, Her name is June. Um, So I'm just going to say, June, welcome to the Life Giver podcast. I'm going to let you say hello real quick, but thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Corey, for having me. No, but you have an incredible story. I would say maybe it's not been the past 10 years. To me, it seems like it's over the last 10 years you've been through the loss of your husband um, and really kind of reclaiming your life. And so when I thought about like, what does it mean to reconnect with yourself and center yourself? um, I really just love what you have done, especially since losing your husband, Doug, and how you have, you've gotten a new home and you've designed your new home um, with my mom's help, who's who's a designer. And so it's just been really awesome to watch you become, I mean, evolve, continue to evolve into who you are today. And so you're super meaningful to me too. So here's how I'd love to start. Um, When you wake up each day, and this is going to maybe be a tough question. When you wake up each day, um, what do you say to yourself is the most important thing that you want to focus on each day or what do you want it to be about? Like if you were going to think about a mission statement for your life right now, what do you think about? I think every day, one of the first thoughts I have in the morning is how can I be the best me I can possibly be today for myself, for my job, for my family, for my friends, um, 
And that's just a conscious thing I think about in the mornings, you know, okay, what does this day hold for me? Where do I need to um, really focus in on maybe today? It's really about my job. You know, I've got deadlines to meet and that maybe today it's about my grandkids. You know, I get to do something with them and focus on that. And maybe today it's just about me. And I think lots of times that's hard to do the let it be about me day, um, because there are so many other things that pull at us from every direction. And sometimes we just have to stop and go, okay, I need to breathe. I need to focus. I need to just um, find some solitude today to just breathe again. And, well, and I, I would love to have you actually break down as we talk today, like, how do you um, figure that out um, over the course of your day? But I've known you my whole life. And I would say from what I know about you and your story, that that's not always where you've been. Like that mindset no. was not always as easy. If you want to say it's easy today, it definitely wasn't that easy for you over your life. So would you mind sharing a little bit of your story, whatever you're comfortable with sharing about like that process of getting to that mindset now of how do I be the best version of me today, which may include um, me valuing me me taking care of me, me putting myself maybe first sometimes. Like, I don't know if that's something that you've always had that mindset. No, I have not had that mindset for many, many, many years, probably until even uh, after uh, Doug passed away. Um, and it because there were uh, children and husband and work and just responsibilities, involvement in church and involvement in uh, community and just just a lot of things that are demanding. So so no, I was never that way. I was um, always the active all the time, you know, and never a moment to breathe type person. And after Doug passed away, I realized I've got to find out who I am without mm -hmm. him. And and you know, now this is a whole new scenario for me. And um, I was 59. So I considered myself young at that time to be, you know, a widow and my kids are grown and I've got grandkids and okay, who am I? Who, who am I? And how do I figure out who I am? And uh, one of the first things I did, I think it was that first year, maybe the second year was I scheduled one day every month on my calendar. It was usually a Saturday because I was working and I called it daddy date day. And it was just time for me to get still, be quiet, um, remove everything else from my calendar and just have quiet time and just time with God and time to reflect on um who am I? Who am I now? And um, it took a lot because there's always things that come up and, you know, oh, can you do this on this day? And can you do? And it really is just you look at your calendar and go, nope, I can't do it that day. I'm sorry. You know, uh, that day's already booked. Um, can, and I so the can I pause, you? Can I pause yes. you right there just for a second? Because um, 
first of all, I think that those of you who are listening, I, I'm hoping that you're really paying attention because probably the number one issue I'm seeing for especially spouses of service members and first responders is this, who am I? Like doing all things for all people, managing the whole household, like doing so much for community stuff too, community volunteering, trying to build your career. I mean, there's so many things going that when I'm actually face-to-face with people, whether it's virtually or in person, one of the biggest requests I get is to help spouses figure out what do they need and how do they express that need to someone else? Whether it's, I need 30 minutes to go for a walk and reclaim my brain before I come back home, or whether it's, I need to somebody to change their behavior. Like, But that's so hard to figure out um, who you are seeing your own value. And so when you're talking about carving out this time and saying, first of all, like, I would love to ask you, what was that like for you to kind of in those first few days realizing like, who am I? Um, So I would love for you to answer that. But then to actually script or to carve out that time, um, it sounds like that battle was a lot about like valuing yourself right? And actually saying, I am worth and I am valuable this time that I am valuable enough to carve out this time for myself. And that has to be more important than anything else that's coming in. And that's a struggle, right? So I hear that from so many people that they're struggling with, not just who am I, but valuing valuing themselves enough to do something about that. So if we could just pause in that one moment of time, just for a second and talk about the struggle, there that was happening. What was it like for those first few days or months of realizing that, I don't know if you would say if you lost yourself or if you just kind of in that vacuum realizing, wow, I need to do some work there. I've, I don't know who I am. What was that like? Because that's something that I also I hear people are really scared of. And that's why I wanted you to share your story too, is we have our you know wills and our power of attorneys and our DD-93s and everything set up. But most families don't want to explore past, could I survive if something happened to my spouse or something happened to a family member? And so I think this is super important for us to be able to see how did you struggle through that and work your way through that? Uh, No, it was not easy. It was extremely difficult because at 59, I had never done that in my life. I had never taken that time just to value myself and, um, and say, I'm, I am important enough, um, not just for me, but you know, it was for my job, for my family, for everybody else. I had to be the best me that I could be. And I'm important enough to take that time to do it. And it was a real struggle. Um, just because, because of the way I'm wired, um, doing that at first felt like I should be doing something. Um, I should be busy. I should be, you know, but I, um, but I forced myself, I literally forced myself to do it and said, I need to do this and I need to be still and I need to just breathe. And, um, and I need to cry and I need to be angry and I need to be hurt and I need to be sad and I need to feel all of these things um, because you can't, you just can't push them aside and pretend that they don't exist. They do exist. And um, if you stuff them or, or don't deal with them, um, they come out later and it's usually 
not pretty. Um, and it wasn't pretty when I was alone in solitude by myself and, and all of that, but that was okay. As opposed to being in an airport when it wasn't pretty <laughs> and, and I was like, Oh, yikes. Um, but, um, but allow yourself the freedom to do that and just let it happen. Just let it happen. I, I, I sometimes, um, uh, felt like it was, a tsunami. I got hit with this wave of, oh my goodness, where did that come from? What did, what was the trigger, but just letting that happen and giving myself permission to, um, to be angry or to be hurt or to be sad. And, you know, we all have expectations, expectations. Mainly we think of others and sometimes those are not even, um, expressed expectations, but we have them. We have expectations of ourselves, And if we don't sit and say, wait a minute, what am I expecting of myself? I'm expecting me just to say, all right, through this and everything's good. And it's not, it's not good. And, but it's okay for it not to be good. And the times that I had to tell myself, just breathe, just breathe, June, just breathe do the next first thing. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about next week or whatever. Just do the next first thing today. Mm-hmm. And, and just, you know, like we talked before, I have an expectation of what I think this should look like. And it's not looking like what I think it should look like. I can't manage that into place. No matter what I do, it is what it is. And I can't manage it or, or anybody else around me. I can't manage that in the place to let it become what I think it should be. Okay. So you you brought it up and that, I mean, this phrase was um, so helpful for me. I mean, I, I, I'm a self-professed control freak. I think a lot of us are, you know, we, we would love to have everything go our way. Right. And I know that's something that Matt and I have talked a lot about over the 20 something years we've been married, where there was a season of time where we realized we were managing each other, like managing each other's emotions, trying to, um, there was times that he wouldn't like change his behavior so that it, you know, I wouldn't get upset or anxious and I might change my behavior so that he doesn't get upset or anxious. And, or, you know, we'd be like, calm down, you know, or like, don't have an emotion. And we realized at some point we we're just managing each other instead of allowing things and trusting each other. And so we've used that word over the course of our marriage several times of how do, what, how do we start trusting each other more and not so much kind of forcing things to go our way. And so when you brought it up with me one day when we were talking, um, it was just to me such a huge statement of you actually, the phrase was something like, Corey, you just can't manage situations into place. And I was like, oh my goodness, maybe I just needed to hear it that day, but it's so true. And so could you break it down a little bit? Like maybe that's a new phrase for someone listening. Um, how did this phrase kind of come up for you and how you, have you wrestled with it a little bit to kind of um, put some meat on the bone and help people understand why would we say that, that there are some things you just can't manage. I think through just through the course of, again, discovering who am I in this season of my life um, and realizing, you know, I 
I want this relationship to be like this, um, or I want my job to be like this, or I want, um, I wanted my marriage to be like this, you know, and it's just like, I, regardless of what my expectations of whatever that is, I can't manage that into place. Mm -hmm. I have to accept it for what it is. And I have to be responsible for me. I can't be responsible for, uh, for the other side of it, for the other part of that equation. Um, And again, that goes back to just being, being the best me that I can be. How am I in this situation? How did I respond? How did I think? How did I feel? Not how can I get somebody else to feel the way I feel? Or how can I get them to think the way that I think? Or um, how can this be? And, and like you say, a lot of it is control. And we all want to do that. We all want to control our environment or control our surroundings or control our relationships to be what we want them to be. I mean, we're human. That's normal. That's natural. But um, but it's not it's that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. It is not realistic to think that everybody's going to think the way that I think or act the way that I act or say, say it like I would say it. I have to sit and I have to think, okay, what were they really saying to me? And if I have questions, then ask, you know, what I heard you say was this, is that what you meant? Um, Because there's so much that is lost in communication. I, I can't, I know you've heard me talk about this before. I cannot stress communication enough um, just in saying what I heard you say was this, is that actually what you meant? Is that what you said? Because that that's a lot of times where the breakdown is. And again, in that, um, I can't, I can't manage things into a place that's always comfortable for me. I couldn't manage my husband's cancer to end where he's still here. I could not manage that. I had to learn how to accept it for what it was and just say, okay, it is the way it is. I can't change that. How can I become better for it? And how can I help somebody else who might be in going through the same season or at some point might go through the same season as opposed to feeling, uh, putting it all inward and having it bring me down and destroy me and make me, um, oh goodness, um, just make me someone I didn't want to be, you know, I want to, I want to add value to other people. I don't want to always just be, woe is me, you know? Yeah, that was a sad time. And still, it's eight years this month, Corey. And do I still have my moments? Absolutely. You know, we don't get over it. We get through it. But somehow, some way, if I can be helpful to somebody else, then there's a purpose for it. You know, I'm here on purpose for a purpose because it easily could have been reversed and I could have been the one gone and Doug could have still been here. But apparently I still have a purpose So I'm here and I need to embrace that. 
Well, there's, there's so many different directions that I'd want to go off of what you just said. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on and talk with you through us through this, because there are, there are lots of different directions you could have gone after losing Doug too, you know? Um, and there's no right way I would say to grieve. I think there's healthier ways to grieve than others, but there's no right way. And, and doing the strength finder work that I've done, there are some that, um, that grieve very quickly because they have the strength of strategy and they need to move forward or they start to feel like they're in chaos and lose a sense of peace. And then there are other people who are very relational and they need to have either lots of people that surround them or um, take a little bit more time to go through the grieving process. And so everybody grieves differently. Yes, they do. What I especially was paying attention to with your story was this, what you mentioned earlier, which was this kind of period of time where you just really like put a pause on things and just really slowed down to reconnect with yourself again. And, and perhaps the, I'm sure there's lots of people that do that, but I had just not really been, I think as close to somebody and watching them carve out that time, like you described, or, um, just taking it very slowly and rebuilding themselves you know, and reconnecting with themselves and reconnecting with God and then not making any of those big decisions until you knew it was the right time to. And so it was just a very interesting process for me to watch you go through. And so um, I think it's super powerful that you carved this time. And I, I imagine that losing Doug to cancer was a huge moment in your life of realizing that you didn't have control. How much of that influenced the way that you see things now and letting go of control? I imagine, you know, we we know we don't have control of our kids. We know we don't have control of the boss and what the boss says. Like, I'm sure that all of us know on some level we don't have control, but sometimes it takes a really big moment or, or something for us to go through to really put ourselves in perspective and understand things just a little bit differently. So how did that event especially change your perspective today? I think it obviously, um, it was short. It, we had like four months. And so from the point that he was diagnosed and they told us, you know, this type of cancer that you have is mean, it's aggressive, and you got about a 15% chance. Well, we were going to be that 15%, you know, obviously. I mean, uh, Okay, we can be in that 15%. Um, wasn't meant to be for us. But I think just realizing in those few short months that we had together and 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 we fought hard um, for it, I think just realizing we're not invincible. Mm-hmm. We don't have um, forever. We have today, we have this moment. How can I make the best use of this moment, this time? And afterwards, just forcing myself to say, okay, June, just don't be so busy all the time Mm. that you just lose sight of of who you are and your whole purpose here. Um, You know, I have nine grandkids and I adore each one of them. And I wanted to be able to encourage them and 
speak into their life. And how could I do that if I was a wreck, if I was a mess, you know, and I just really felt like I wanted to, I wanted to take that time. And like you say, everybody grieves differently. Um, I've walked with several people through the grief process and, and I, I just tell them, you know, however it looks for you, that's okay. It doesn't have to look a certain way. So everybody grieves differently. But for me, that was really a really important part of my grieving process was just carving that time out every month, um, you know, still working, still got family, still got responsibilities, but just literally putting it on the calendar and saying that day I am not available and making myself do that and not even knowing what that day might look like, but just knowing that that day, whatever, whatever that day looked like was just for me to be still, just be still. We get so busy with everything that demands our time and our energy and all that. We get so busy that sometimes we just, we can't even hear our own thoughts Mm -hmm. and we can't even hear you know, that voice inside of us that just says, you know, take a breath and just be still and, and just refresh and restore and renew. And for me, particularly, I love the beach. So anytime I could steal a few days away at the beach and just go walk on the beach by myself or whatever it took and some people didn't understand that. They didn't understand why, why, why do you need to be by yourself? Well, that works for me. That's my path of just feeling and, and, and it's different for different people. So I'm not saying it has to be that way, but for me, that's the way that it was. And it was critical. It was, I believe it was critical for me in my healing process, rediscovering who I am without my husband and without, um, now I have an empty nest and, um, just without all of that is like, who am I and how do I do this? And in order to do that, I had to be still and being still meant carving that time out and being intentional about it. Well, and I would love to ask, you said it's been eight years now. I would love to ask, who did you find inside? Who did you, who, who are, who are you? Like, who did you find in the process of finding yourself? Still looking for that person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, but I, I found someone who, um, really genuinely loves my family. Um, loves encouraging people. I love to encourage people um, who just um, might just feel like I'm just stuck somewhere, you know, well, it's a, that's okay. Let's get unstuck Mm -hmm. because I love to encourage and just say, you know, you're here on purpose for purpose. And um, particularly, you know, widows, I, I have found myself in, um, in situations where people that I didn't even know 
uh, would uh, our people that I might know would call and say, hey, would you talk to my neighbor? She just lost her husband. Or would you talk to my aunt? She just lost her husband. And those people are people that I wouldn't know. And, it, and my answer was always, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that I can do. And it wasn't that I could do anything, but I could be a good listener because mm-hmm. I, under, I understand where they are. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think part of who I found out that I was is just um, somebody with a big heart. Who cares? Well, I have always known that about you, but I will say um, you just became more brilliant as time went on. And it was, and I would also say you became more sure of yourself. And I don't know how to describe that because it wasn't direct or abrasive um, it actually became more loving. I feel like the the longer of the longer you went through that process, the softer you became, even though you became more sure of yourself. And that's what I felt was was so remarkable. And so I imagine as you get to know who you are, it's also a process of getting to know what you value, right? We talked about valuing yourself and making time for yourself and saying, I'm worth it. But you also mentioned, I'm somebody who loves my family. And so I would say, I I don't know if the way that you spent time changed because you've always had people around your dinner table. You've always had bring a friend to the dinner table, bring a friend to the beach. Like you've always um, had an open door to whoever. But, you know, maybe that's a question is like, as you began to find and discover within yourself, what was most valuable to you? Did you start making different kinds of decisions around your time and how you spent your time and energy? I, yes, I think I did. I think I determined that um, just reaching out to people that, that no matter where I was, whether I was at the bank, whether I was at the grocery store, whether I was at the post office, whether I was wherever it was, just walking down the street and up my community, I became much more aware of, everybody has a story and I don't know what their story is any more than they know what mine is, but everybody has a story. And I think just the kindness, just that kindness of being kind to the cashier at the store or being kind to, um, you know, whoever it is that you run into, you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they're experiencing. You don't know what has happened in that day or the previous week or the previous month. And I think if you would ask any one of my grandchildren today, what my favorite word is, um, not any of them who are old enough to respond would say (laughs) kindness. (laughs) It's kindness. Grandma tells us all the time, kindness always wins. Just be kind, whether it's to your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, you know, your family, your friends, your teachers, your uh, whoever that is. Just, I think that's part of what I found was just, just be kind to people. You don't know what their story is. Nobody knew what my story was, but that was important. Was kindness important to you for you being able to move through your story too? Or was it something that you just discovered in that process? It was going to be something that was important to you moving forward. 
I think it was important to me moving forward Mm -hmm. that, that I became that person Mm -hmm. that I might be the only kind person in their life that day, you know, we don't know, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe not, but if I, but if they saw that just in me, then at least one person was kind to them that day. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that so much. And the older that I get, the more I'm, I feel that being the only way, I mean, like you can fight against the world and you can carry resentment and bitterness and anger and, and frustration and all of the negative emotions. And they have a place, like you said, like there's days that you, when you can carve out that time or that space in the moment to just have your, the emotions you need to have and, and take it to the appropriate place. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't have negative emotions, but the older I get, the more I feel like it's so important for me to do something healthy with those negative emotions because usually the best answer most of the time is kindness. Like the like lashing out into the world in resentment and frustration rarely gets me anywhere. Um, right. Even in relationships, rarely does it get me anywhere. But man, the older I get, that kindness has a way of dare I say, like you can't, you can't be kind and force a situation. You can't be kind and manage a relationship at the same time. Kindness is like, you know, I have control over, over my framework, my perspective on how I see the situation. And I'm choosing to see the situation right now as you are somebody worthy of my kindness and that I have control over and everything else. I'm not going to try to manage it. Yes. And I, I heard it and favorite author of mine say one time, um, you will never lock eyes with anyone that Jesus didn't die for. And I think, I think about that and I'm thinking, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about this person, but my kindness to them, like I say, might just be the only person that week who was kind to them, you know, and they are, they are valuable. They are valuable. And uh, that I think that when you ask, you know, who did you who did you find inside there? (laughs) That person who just who wants to be that to other people. Well, that's definitely what I've seen in talking about you. I don't want to say rediscovering, maybe reconnecting with the values that are important to you and defining that better in your life and then trying to live that out. Um, it sounds really nice to be kind to everybody. It's, it sounds really nice to um, to try to make your time and energy be focused on, on the relationships that are most important to you. But life is messy. Relationships are messy. Um, we're all flawed human beings. Like you said earlier, things don't always go the way that we love for them to go. And so I'm sure there's a lot of bumping into people, bumping into relationships, bumping into, you know, expectations. And so I'm wondering if during the process of kind of rediscovering yourself, if there was a part of you that had to grow in assertiveness in order to protect this new way of thinking, this new life that you wanted to kind of live out and with this sense of purpose, surely that has to have a protective measure of it too. And that's, um, that can bump into people, right? When you're saying, no, I can't do that on Saturday. 
I'm guessing like your kids, my cousins would have liked to have had you over doing something on Saturday. That's bumping into other people's expectations. And why are you spending time by yourself? Maybe something as small as that. But um, how how did that go for you? How have you have you had to work on the assertiveness side of things? Yes, I have had to learn how to draw boundaries. And that has been extremely difficult as well um, because I, I love to do things for other people. So for me to draw boundaries and say, you know, okay, there's a boundary there. I can't do that. Or even in relationships of, of feeling, you know, um, that made me angry or I'm, I'm not going to say by any stretch of the imagination <laughs> that I haven't gone through those times. But um, I think when that happens again, I need to take a deep breath. I need to step back. I need to go examine within myself. What am I feeling? Why am I feeling that way? And then think about, you know, how I'm going to deal with that. And, you know, I've just been through something recently where I found myself in my car, you know, saying this makes me angry. It just makes me angry. But dealing with understanding why does that make me angry and um, and what am I going to do about that? And I'm not going to lash out at somebody. I'm going to say, okay. I want to deal with my my own inner turmoil first, and I want to process through that. And then, you know, when I'm communicating, if, if I feel like I need to communicate, if it's something with in a relationship, if I feel like I need to communicate something, why am I doing that? Am I doing it for me or am I doing it for them? Am I doing it because I'm going to try to manage them into thinking the way I think? or feel the way I feel, or am I, do, am I doing it because I just need to share where I am and it doesn't really matter what your response to that is because I'm not trying to change you. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm not trying to manage you into that. I just need to do it, you know, for me to be able to let it go. Um, and I try never to do that in anger. I try to do it in, okay, I have taken the time that I need. Again, I have pulled back. I've taken the time that I need and I've processed through it and I've understood it. And, and I've said, okay, this was, this was on me because I moved my own boundaries or this was on somebody else because I let them move my boundaries, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, so, yeah, it is extremely difficult and it's an ongoing process. And, you know, I just told you I'm, eight years into this, um, just this month. And it still is a process weekly, daily, monthly, you know, yearly of just learning, learning more about me, more about other people, more about how to communicate well. Um, so that, what I'm saying is actually what is heard and not having it be about what I'm saying is so that I can manage you into becoming or thinking the way I think it's not about that, you know, you know, just to kind of simplify it for those that are are listening, 
it's so hard to cover all the different kinds of relationships that anybody could be listening and applying it to right now, right? So, I mean, you've got, you know, relationships with your spouse and when conflict comes up, how do I value myself? How do I value my spouse? How do I communicate better? How do I set? There has to be healthy boundaries that happen even in marriage too. Um, if I think on a previous episode, I talked about assertiveness and how we have a right to our thoughts and our feelings and our opinions and our perspective and our, and the other person has a right to their thoughts, feelings, and, and opinions and perspective. And being assertive and setting healthy boundaries is a lot about respecting that on both sides, valuing and honoring yourself and valuing and honoring the other person, but that we also have a right simply because we exist to ask someone to change their behavior if it's destructive to you. And so it can be really hard to have those conversations. And so, you know, June, as you were saying, there's times that when we are in these close relationships that especially we are wanting them to last and be healthy, you know, there is kind of this ebb and flow of healthy boundaries. And when do I um, say, I, I value you so much that I'm willing to move my boundaries. And there's other times where it's, I value myself so much that I'm going to have to enforce the boundary. Um, and, and then there's times we collaborate on it too, right? And there's times that we've got to be able to ask for behavior to change if it's destructive. And do we value them enough that when they're asking me to change that behavior, that I'm willing to listen to that and respond to that? So I know that it's complicated to maybe apply what we're talking about as far as, you know, not managing and trying to force relationships. But after 20 years of working with families and couples, most of the time I'm saying we really want to try to be in the messy middle, <laughs> like less moving to one extreme or the other. And, and sometimes the sweet spot is the messy middle. We're not cutting people off and we're not living enmeshed. Or like I've mentioned in a previous episode, that we're not abandoning ourselves, right? The messy middle is that I value both. There are other relationships that sometimes it's time to let it go. Sometimes it's not a relationship that we can um, or that it's healthy for us to hold on to. And, and that's, I think, it's a little bit clearer, a little bit easier to understand this idea of not managing a relationship into place and saying, you know what, I'm going to relinquish control and stop trying to force this to be something that I want it to be. And perhaps it's time for me to let go. And so is there anything that you can say, June, for somebody that's listening right now that maybe that's the relationship that they're wrestling with? Just a relationship that they are looking at going, I'm just working so hard to try to make it be something. How do you go through this process of stopping managing something like that? I think most relationships, compromise needs to occur, but never at the risk of losing ourself. We don't, um, you know, everybody's different. And so, like I say, when, when those compromises are important, we say, okay, I'm not going to die on that hill. So this is a compromise that, that I am willing to make or a compromising that they are willing to make. But when it comes to the point of losing who we are, um, who we were created to be, um, I think that's when we have to say, I need to, I need to let this go. Mm. I need to, um, this isn't something that I'm going to manage into place and, or that they're going to manage into place. 
And it's probably uh, best for both if if we just let this go. Not always easy to do. Not always easy to do, particularly if if it's a type of a relationship where you're very you've been very comfortable in the relationship up to that point. And uh, it's the familiar and you get into the familiar and then you feel like, you know, this is going someplace not where I want to be or someplace not as healthy as I want to be and to walk away from it. There's a void there. There's a hole. There's an actual hole there that like, how do I fill that hole? What do I do with that hole? And it's okay. It's okay to grieve that loss too. That's a different type of a loss, but it's still a loss. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to grieve that too. Um, in a, in a different sort of a way, mm-hmm. but um that's healthy. That's a healthy place to be where you have the strength and you, the assertiveness that you talk about just to say, I know that boundary needs to be there. And I, um, and I'm going to have the strength to, you know, I, I ask lots of times for, you know, I need supernatural wisdom here. Give me some supernatural wisdom. But in addition to that, then I need the strength to live it. Because once I have that wisdom, if I'm not living out what I know to be right, what I know to be true, what good is it to me? Mm-hmm. So having the strength and to to say, okay, I need to let this relationship go or walk away from this relationship or this scenario or whatever it is. I have the wisdom to do that. Now I need the strength to do it. And that's hard. So hard. So hard. What would you say to someone who is in that place, who is abandoning themselves right now, who um, doesn't know who they are? Like, what would you say back to you back then or to someone else that's in that place? Don't ever quit. Don't ever quit seeking it. Don't ever quit fighting for it. Can I ask what would what would they you not want them to quit doing specifically pursuing moving forward or just saying um you know I'm I'm so discouraged um I'm so uh, almost I remember being in a state of um just like I'm stuck and I can't seem to pull myself out of this. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, that's it. I'm done. You know, I'm finished. I, I I can't move forward. And um, I remember being in that spot at one point and that lasted, you know, for, for a day or two or whatever. But then I was like, no, I can't quit. I can't, I've got to keep move, putting one foot in front of the other moving forward or, putting my getting up and getting dressed and getting out there or, um, you know, doing, doing that next first thing, because if you quit, no matter what it is you're pursuing, if you quit, you just, you're not moving. You may feel like I'm only taking one step forward and three steps back, but you're still taking a step forward. And if you're not taking that step forward, you're just going back three and then another three and then another three. And you're just going deeper and deeper into, I don't know how I can ever get myself, you know, out of this hole that I feel like I'm stuck in. 
Um, and so when I, when I say don't quit, I mean, it's don't fight for that solitude, fight for that time to say, who am I? What, what is my purpose? What is, whether it's, um, reading a book, whether it's, oh goodness, Corey, I have, I have gotten these aha moments from a movie, just Mm -hmm. from a movie, watching a movie on an airplane at one point, I'm like, oh my goodness, there's an aha moment, you know, and it's like, and you know, and I'll write it down. And because I want to remember that. So like I say, from a book or from a movie or from a conversation with somebody, or from a song or so whatever, whatever that is, whether it's like, I want to go, I want to just put some music on and listen to that. Maybe something in that will spark something in you, or maybe it's reading a book, or maybe it is in watching a movie, hopefully something that's got some redeeming quality, Um, but something, you know, that that is just like, that's what I needed to hear today. That's what I needed to see today. It's all around us, you know, just the, just signs and things that, that are like, that's what I needed to to see. That's what I needed to hear. That's what I needed to get me through that day. Don't ever stop looking for it. Don't ever stop fighting for it. Well, and here's, here's what I hear you saying. I hear you saying that you valued growth as well. Like you, you, you valued yourself, right? You valued um, your family, but you also, and I would say, I've always known this about you, that you have appreciated and valued the role that growth has in your life. And that whole idea of like moving forward somehow that I can grow through it, that I can evolve somehow. And I I also heard that you were the importance of looking outside of yourself, you know, even though you were spending time on your own to try to find yourself again, right? That doesn't mean that you were isolating so much that you weren't um, looking for areas of growth where you could, right? Those walks on the beach were either in prayer or in thoughtful reflection of where you were, where you wanted to go. That time on Saturdays was your quiet time with God where you were looking for that next step or looking for validation or wisdom for the next step. So you were taking those times to not close the world off around you because that can be unhealthy. And I do think that that can take us to a dark place, but you were searching outside of yourself. And for you and I, our faith tradition would say that we were kind of opening ourselves to where God wanted to speak into your life and share with you and illuminate what he was trying to say to you, whether it was in that alone time on Saturdays or whether you're listening to music or you were talking with a friend, that you were making yourself open to wherever he wanted to teach you. I know we are about out of time. Um, I would love to just give you an opportunity in closing um, to share um, maybe in a, a little bit more, I know this is a vulnerable question, but I know it's authentically, you know, where you've been. How would you describe your relationship with God as it's evolved over, the, especially the last eight years, because you decided to value yourself enough to give yourself that time and focus attention with him? I would say I am in a much deeper relationship with God today than I have ever been. And that's one of the things that I have valued so much and just said, I am not willing to let that go because I don't understand how people survive things like death of a spouse or 
uh, of a child or of a parent or whatever, or of a, even a job or just any type of traumatic thing in their life. I don't understand how they get through it without having that strength to draw on. And that that is so critical. That is so critical because there have been the times um, when when I just literally have just cried out and said, I can't do this. I cannot do this without you, God. And, um, you know, I don't I don't even have the words right now, but you understand my tears mm-hmm. and just just surrender, just surrendering to totally, completely every thought, every word, every action, everything, just that total surrender of I cannot do this on my own. I need you. I need your strength. I need your guidance. I need your wisdom. I need, you know, you are my father, my protector, my provider. And right now you're my husband because I don't have one on this earth. So, you know, just, just, um, just that total surrender of what do you have for my life? I'm obviously here on purpose for a purpose. What is that purpose? And not my will, not me trying to manage this, not my will, but God's be done. And mm. I've always just prayed that's part of it. You know, he says he will give us the desires of our heart. And that's for me. Whatever you have for me, make that the desire of my heart. Mm. And that's and that's where I have to live because that's what gives me the strength to get through. Well, June, I love you so much. And um, I knew that you were going to provide a level of mentoring and wisdom. I'm so important in the village. I don't think we do enough mentoring and listening um, anymore. And so I knew that that was something that you were going to be able to offer. And I just, I love you so much. I'm so thankful for the journey that you have chosen to go on. I'm so thankful that you saw your value enough to continue to evolve and grow. Um, It's a beautiful thing to watch and it's a beautiful thing to aspire to. So thank you so much for joining me for the podcast and for sharing um, your very vulnerable story. I hope it's encouraging to those of you who are listening that, you know, there's a lot of things that we can survive and there's a lot of things that we can evolve through and that we can become better because of if we bring purpose to it. And Junior, amazing example of that. So thank you for joining me. Thank you, Corey. And thank you for allowing me to be here. I love you. I love you too. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. We keep things pretty simple around here and don't include sponsors so that you can get our focused attention. So please subscribe, leave us a quick review, or share it with other service families you know. If you would like more information or want to connect, you can find out more by going to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org for tons of content and resources. Don't forget, we are taking a break from social media and encouraging you to create more margin in your life as well. 